0: This is Eighth Day Encouragement, a recap of the Sunday service, offering hope and faith from the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. You can find us online at holytrinity-nyc.org. I had new insight into this morning's gospel a few weeks ago when I visited family in North Carolina. One night, we all went to see my nephew and his family, and that included visiting with my great-nephew, who is two years and four months old. As one does, I had a a number of questions in my head, not really an agenda, but but things I wanted to talk to my nephew about, to find out how his work is going, how how my niece-in-law's work is going, how members of her family are doing, and and possibly, in that way that an uncle-priest can do, sneak in a subtle question about baptism of the little one. Also, I think we all had some intention of talking about our various plans with the upcoming holidays. When might we see each other around Christmas? Well, there was no time or space or energy for questions and things on anyone's agenda because a two-year-old was in charge of the evening. (laughs) Though children are seen and heard in ways today that they were not in Jesus' day, I think Jesus was trying to focus his disciples in a similar way to putting a two year old in the midst of things. Suddenly, whatever one is thinking becomes secondary to the joy and the fun and the wonder and the, the life of the little child in front of one. In this morning's gospel, Jesus has been telling the disciples some important, theologically significant things, and yet the disciples seem distracted. Jesus and the disciples have been traveling, and Jesus lays it all out to them as he explains, the Son of Man will be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after he is killed, he will rise again. But the disciples aren't listening. They're distracted. They're thinking about their own futures. They're anticipating Jesus coming into power, the kingdom of God as they envision it maybe Jesus taking over Jerusalem. And so the disciples wonder who's going to get which job, who's going to be in the greatest position of power, who will be the most responsible, the most noticed, the most rewarded. That's when Jesus disrupts their musing, their distractions and takes a little child and places that child in the midst of the conversation There's a child, helpless, vulnerable, and needy. And then Jesus says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the one who sent me. I don't know how you might be, the listeners to this podcast, or folks who come in and out of church. But if you're at all like me, it's hard to live in the present, in this very moment, I'm almost always, either partly in the past or partly in the future, or maybe a mix of the two, especially as we move into another autumn, I I think of the comfort of previous autumns when we would return to a particular schedule and pattern and we'd see the same people back from the summer. Well, everything's changed with the pandemic, And especially during the pandemic, I find myself thinking about the future. The church is doing fine today and we're grateful for it, but what about next year? What about three years? What about five years? What about 20 years? Off I go, worrying about the future, missing whatever God might be trying to do right here in the midst of me and those of us who are together in the church. When I think of my own tendency to be so easily distracted, I begin to understand some of what the disciples must have been dealing with. Jesus dispels their distractions with those simple words. To be first, one must be last of all. To be first, one must be the servant of all. So often, Jesus calls his disciples and us to pay attention, to notice to notice the present, to notice the now. So often Jesus preaches and teaches with concrete, real things. Salty seawater, fresh, clean water from a well, the mud of the earth, freshly caught fish, bread, wine, water, blood, Teresa of Avila, the 16th century nun and mystic, knew the overwhelming force of distractions. As she put it in The Way of Perfection, she felt it part of her calling to offer a little guidance to those who are like all of us, with souls and minds so scattered that they're like wild horses no one can stop. And so Teresa explains that she offers a kind of prayer, a method of prayer, if you will, that has often been called the practice of recollection. Teresa reminds us of the most important aspect of prayer, whether it's at the beginning, it's distracted or frustrated middle, or even at the end. The most important part of praying is to remember that God is near. God is very near, no matter what. It's that simple and it's that difficult. God is near. We have God's nearness, we have people, and we're invited to look into their eyes and into their hearts and know them as they are right now, not as they might have been in the past or as they could be in the future, but now we have nature that so often breaks into our lives and insists on being noticed for now. We have all the various gifts of our breath right now, right here, today. May God speak to us even in our distractions, that we may be brought again and again to live out the love of Christ. Let us pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. At the 11 a.m. celebration of the Holy Eucharist on September 19th, soloist Morgan Mastrangelo sang from Handel's Messiah verses that sing of God's victory over all evil and death. He that dwelleth in heaven shall laugh them to scorn. The Lord shall have them in derision. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. mm Oh <laughs>